From bloated and tired to free and inspired, welcome to Free and Inspired Radio with Philip Watkins, your weekly dose of everything digestion and mental health related. We hope you enjoy this episode. Here is your host, Philip Watkins. Yes, yes. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Free and Inspired Radio. I'm your host, a naturopathic practitioner, Philip Watkins, and I'm grateful to have you with us today. If you're new to the show, well, the title says it all. It's all about feeling free and inspired and exploring the many different avenues you can take to get there, whether it's deep dives on digestion and mental health solutions or guests who offer their own stories and answers. I hope I can be the type of guide you can rely on to unlock the agency you have to reach your own mental and physical competency. Let's get started with what's coming up on today's episode. Coming up on this week's show. Welcome, welcome, welcome back in the hot seat. Thank you for your patience with me. Your host has been unwell, which is why I wasn't around last week. We're looking this week on Free and Inspire Radio. Thanks for joining us and coming back. We're looking this week at how your blood sugar levels can drastically change your mood and anxiety. Now, whilst these two things aren't often in the same conversation, I'm hoping by the end of the episode, I can help you understand why treating blood sugar is such a major part of my clinical practice when it comes to mental health and something you should really consider if you feel as if you're getting some of the symptoms we're going to talk about. So let's start off the show with a pretty crazy statistic that I don't think gets talked about enough, but maybe we're getting there. 60% of people with depression still do not seek medical help because of the social stigma around its perceived hindrance to their career or personal life. Let me repeat that. 60% of people with depression still do not seek medical help because of the social stigma around its perceived hindrance to their career or personal life. It's almost like admitting it is the problem, right? But suppose you are one of those 60%. And in that case, managing your blood sugar and exercise could be two lifestyle choices that can begin your journey towards feeling better, especially if you're not ready to see a medical practitioner and use antidepressants, for example. Today, we're going to talk about blood sugar. I added exercise in there because look, if you get this far in the episode and you think blood sugar and exercise and that's all you hear, then great. But today, we're going to talk about uh, some Uh, blood sugar here. So before we get into it, here is a personal responsibility disclaimer. If there comes a time when you feel like it is difficult for you to take action and the quality of your day is declining rapidly, especially when it comes to depression, then get some help and it can be life-changing. I've seen it so often. So hey, if you're feeling like you got some courage, getting some help may change everything. And I've seen people's lives change personally and in my clinical practice once they've felt brave enough to ask for help. So hopefully you can be one of those people if you feel like you need it. Depression and anxiety, which I'm going to try and address independently as best I can in this episode, have many different causes and those causes often overlap for both conditions, right? So for example, just from a physiological standpoint, genetics, the brain, your hormones, and your immune system could all interact at any one time in a challenging way to pin down. Sometimes, though, the causes that excite your depression and anxiety may not be what you expect at all. 
And if you've listened to episode 8 of Freedoms by Radio on Sleep and Low Blood Sugar, you might have come across this already. I've lost count of how many people I've helped to move off their sleep aids after treating their blood sugar. And it's a crazy scenario. Uh, Dysfunctional blood sugar and insulin levels have huge effects on your brain chemistry. These changes may be enough to affect how your brain fuels itself with glucose, immune changes in the brain that make it more inflamed, and even the access of amino acids that create neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine when traveling traveling to the brain from the stomach. Let's begin with how unstable blood sugar can affect your brain's ability to fuel itself. The brain is the highest glucose consumer of all of the organs in the body, meaning it needs a constant and consistent supply of glucose at all times. Neurons have the highest energy demand in the brain. The reason that is that glucose is the building block of cellular energy, or ATP, which you might have heard about. Enter the mitochondria, or the powerhouse of the cells. So you may have heard of mitochondria before in your listening or reading. And their role is to provide energy for cells to function. An easy way to understand their role is via their increased or decreased concentration in different areas of the body. So, for example, cells like the ones in the brain are involved in intense functional activities that need more energy. Therefore, they contain higher amounts of mitochondria than cells that require less energy to pay for their function. Another way to think about it is that larger engines need bigger fuel tanks. So consequently, when the primary fuel source runs low, the mitochondria cannot turn over the necessary energy to fuel the different functions in the brain. Then we begin to see cognitive changes first before depressive or anxious states develop. So I'll just just repeat that just because it's quite important. So it's easy to know when mitochondria are necessary on the basis of how functionally intense, so to speak, or how much activity is going on in the particular organ. So for the brain, for example, we're going to see a lot more mitochondria because it's got such a huge functional output, right? So this trend line lines up with how people feel mentally and cognitively when their blood glucose is low. One of the most common clinical signs that blood sugar affects the brain is through memory and attention. So one paper highlighted that low blood sugar, or think low fuel for the brain now, causes significant deterioration in reading span and language processing. I see this commonly with fatigue in, in with fatigue patients in the clinic. The good news is is that as part of this, I can help you differentiate uh, with the same uh, differentiate between different types of fatigue with the same questions that I use in my consultations as we often see fatigue and depression and anxiety overlap. So the first question concerns physical capacity and inquires about your capacity to run 400 meters. So what do you reckon? Do you feel like you can run 400 meters? We won't judge you at the end, of course. And the second question and most appropriate here for our brain fatigue is an inquiry around energy and when it comes to reading a 2000 word article kind of like the ones you might find on the website or even listening to a podcast episode now so more often than not people feel relatively constant confident to run 400 meters but are not very confident when it comes to maintaining their concentration and attention mentally. And just remember going back to that study that we mentioned, people with blood sugar issues tend to see it present in their ability to to sustain a reading span.
So if you're having trouble either reading a main feature in a magazine or in another way listening to a podcast, then maybe your blood sugar might be actually causing that. Whilst depression and anxiety may not might not be present, these signs indicate that the mitochondria in the brain may not be firing and fueling to their potential. If you get symptoms of low blood sugar at the same time, then it's a good idea to look into some change. Hypoglycemia has evidence around affecting other things aside from memory and attention. For example, there are studies around nonverbal intelligence, special awareness or spatial awareness, it should be, and executive function, which we've explored in different podcasts. Studies have shown significantly impaired mitochondrial function in major depressive disorder as well. And making sure you can, your body can keep a consistent supply of glucose coming is of paramount importance. Now, there is a secret trick to helping you to boost your mitochondria's ability to help keep that ATP coming. And I am going to reveal that secret trick right after the break or here on Free and Inspired Radio. So just hold tight one moment and we'll get into how to unlock the ATP consistently during your day. We're back with more shortly on Free and Inspired Radio. to take a break. Are you enjoying this episode of Free and Inspired Radio? There's no better time to take back your personal health sovereignty. If you want to connect with more Free and Inspired episodes, simply subscribe to your favorite podcast platform or visit the website at www.philipwatkins.health for more information. Let's get back to the show. Yes, yes, welcome back to episode 48 of Free and Inspired Radio, where this week we are looking at how blood glucose and insulin affect your brain and mental health. Before the break, I mentioned that there's a secret trick to keeping your mitochondria creating ATP in your brain, and here it is. It's the humble B-complex vitamin. So in other episodes you might have come across, I've explained that an easy way to think about how vitamins and minerals work is to think of them as denominations of currency that pay for different transactions in the body. In the case of mitochondria creating energy from glucose, vitamin B1, B2, B3 and B5 all play a critical role in turning glucose into ATP, your cell's energy. That's actually a part of a process called the Krebs or citric acid cycle. So if you're looking to, if you are experiencing some of these kind of slumps in your cognition, especially after lunch, then try picking up a methylated B complex to cover for any genetic deficits in dealing with folic acid and B12. And you might find that some of the attention and memory deficits that come with low blood sugar dissipate along with anxiety and even low mood. I've done a full episode on the 3 p.m. slump and how it happens and why, and you'll find I recommend a B vitamin in that one too. So if you miss that episode, you can revise that after this one, of course. But a review in 2016 linked vitamin B1, B3, B6, B9, and B12 deficiencies to depression as well. So maybe there's a connection there, right? So based on this, you won't only be helping the balance between glucose and energy, but you probably are going to also have a therapeutic effect on your mood as well. So the B vitamins, who would have thought a secret trick to unlocking the mitochondria there just by making sure you've got the right building blocks to build things. 
Having the right building blocks, as I said, to build neurotransmitters is vital for depression and anxiety as well. And unstable blood sugar and insulin resistance have a critical influence in this. Disordered blood sugar affects another pathway for the brain to access vital resources, and that's getting access to amino acids from protein that help to create necessary brain chemicals such as serotonin and dopamine. Evidence suggests that insulin resistance plays a significant role in major depressive disorder. In fact, people with type 2 diabetes are twice as likely to suffer from depression. This higher risk is largely down to insulin's influence on the serotonergic system in the brain, which controls emotional behavior. And if you've ever seen someone who gets hangry or a combination of hungry and angry, then you can understand how emotional things can get when blood sugar isn't going way but it goes both ways studies going back almost 20 years have shown that people with depression develop insulin resistance which in turn corrects itself when the depression does so we've got a bit of a chicken and egg situation here don't we if you're new to insulin resistance let's define it first Insulin resistance occurs when an impaired response to glucose makes insulin less active and sensitive to glucose levels in the blood. This inadequate response to glucose means the body can have trouble depositing and transporting glucose correctly, leading to various cardiovascular and metabolic changes over time. For context, insulin resistance precedes type 2 diabetes by 10 to 15 years. So if you have someone who's uh, coming up with different levels in their blood, for example, if you're in your late 30s or early 40s especially, and you're starting to see changes in your blood when it comes to insulin and glucose, then you're probably about 10 to 15 years away from type 2 diabetes, which is crazy. But How does insulin affect brain chemicals such as serotonin and dopamine, which is what we're talking about in this episode? In order to help, let's look at tryptophan. So the amino acid that creates serotonin is actually called a large neutral amino acid, or LNAA. There are around four or five other other LNAAs, or large neutral amino acids, such as leucine, which you might have heard of if you love the gym, histidine, which produces histamine and methionine, And you don't really need to know too much more about these LNAAs, but what you do need to know is that the particular types of amino acids that we've listed, like leucine, for example, compete when it comes to transport to the brain. So insulin helps to get more tryptophan across the blood-brain barrier as a priority for serotonin production as one of its functions. So let me repeat that. Insulin, as one of its functions, helps to get more tryptophan across the blood-brain barrier as a priority for serotonin production. Suppose, though, that in the case of insulin resistance, insulin isn't effective enough at making things happen and tryptophan no longer has priority seating on the brush into the brain. This lower level of tryptophan in the brain means lower amounts of the critical building blocks for serotonin are available and in turn presents insulin resistance as contribution to poor mood. It stops tryptophan getting on the bus to the brain. Insulin's influence not only causes lower levels of serotonin that we see in depression or has been associated with depression, we can also see tryptophan get shunted over to another pathway that can lead to neuroinflammation, leading to more depression and anxiety.
Animal studies have shown that insulin resistance, localized explicitly in the brain, can affect dopamine turnover, making depression and anxiety symptoms worse. Unfortunately, in the case of anxiety, it seems, as we saw in depression a little earlier, that it could be a two-way street. It seems that not only do inter- does insulin resistance and impaired glucose balance cause changes in brain chemistry, but the associated stress with this change can re- back, rebound back and make the insulin resistance worse. This two-way effect between stress, depression, and anxiety and insulin resistance is one of the critical reasons blood sugar issues seem to be a rate-limiting factor in helping mental health situations such as depression and anxiety. Interestingly, recent more cutting-edge studies suggest that balancing the bacterial environment in the gut, commonly known as the microbiota, may be the avenue to help with insulin resistance. So, hey, if you're a fan of the show, you're a fan of the gut-brain connection, here we go. Insulin resistance and the gut-brain connection, right? Cool stuff. So you've been listening to this and you're thinking, wow, maybe this is something that I haven't dealt with. So what are the signs and symptoms of insulin resistance and hypoglycemia or low blood sugar? So here are the signs of hypoglycemia first. Hypoglycemic symptoms in the brain directly related to low blood glucose in the central nervous system are behavioral changes, fatigue and confusion. Physical symptoms can be tremors heart palpitations, hunger and sweating. Some more subjective symptoms can be no appetite in the morning, energy after meals, so as in you've had low energy before the meal, so then your energy goes up, the 3 p.m. crash (laughs) and difficulty staying asleep during the night. And we touched on that earlier. Hyperglycemia is a huge, huge cause of insomnia or at least waking up a lot. Can't say that enough. You probably get sick of me saying it, but maybe you might be able to help someone uh, who's trouble, who's having trouble. So moving on to insulin resistance. Typical characteristics of insulin resistance are weight gain and sugar cravings. More subjective symptoms can be waking up feeling unrefreshed. How many people do you know or are doing that, or maybe you are? Difficulty falling asleep, crashing after lunch, and needing stimulants after lunch. So a critical difference between those with hypoglycemia and insulin resistance is how people respond to eating. And you may have heard it already. People with hypoglycemia will have better energy after meals and those with insulin resistance will have fatigue after meals. So I'll just repeat that. People with hypoglycemia will have better energy after meals and they'll feel revived and those with insulin resistance will have fatigue after meals. Now, in the clinic, I often see these experiences occurring with the same person, but interchangeably. You will find, though, that there'll be a more prominent theme if you kind of zoom out and look at the frequency over time. So what do you think? There are many different origin stories of depression and anxiety. Each of these overlap, and often you might need some help to deconstruct with, you know, what's what. Still, in the case of unbalanced blood sugar in your brain, precisely the quality of your daily mood and stress symptoms, it can often be overlooked, and blood sugar may hold the key to what you've been looking for to get things on track, especially if you've tried other things that haven't worked. Now, before we finish, as always, this episode of Free and Inspire Radio, if you'd love to hear more from me and get the word on new articles, podcast episodes, and everything else, 
jump over to philipwatkins.health and join our community via the newsletter there. If you sign up, you'll be able to get a your free ebook for about probiotics and the brain. We've got two new ebooks. So an exclusive for all my listeners who get to this point, we've got two new ebooks coming up in the beginning of 2023. Very exciting. The launch of the website is happening in January, hopefully, as well. So some really exciting stuff where you'll be able to access a lot of the show notes. You'll be access, uh, able to access all the journals that I've used. And we're going to be building a huge transcript library as well. Your reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify help me get the word on the street. So if you're enjoying the show, please give it a good rating so people can understand the benefits that they may get or the value that they may get from listening to an episode. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, thank you for getting this far. Throw the video a like and subscribe to see when each new podcast is uploaded. As always, huge shouts to the show listeners who get this far, but also to the people who have been downloading this show over the past year. We're almost at episode 50, and I'm very grateful to see that there are people who are subscribed and and enjoying the show and hearing some feedback uh, from people in the real world, so to speak. So this show is all about getting you one step closer to find the freedom to feel inspired again. And I hope once again, this episode gets you one step closer to that until next week, where we are talking about the dietary inflammatory index and how to work out if your inflammatory diet is causing some of your health problems. Until then, next week, Don't forget to take care of yourself and those around you. And thanks for joining us for another round of free and inspired radio. See ya. Oh my gosh, you made it to the end. This show is all about you. And we hope you finished this episode feeling one step closer to feeling free and inspired. We'll be back next week, but if you want to know more about Philip, please catch a digital flight to www.philipwatkins.health for further details about how we might be able to help. In the meantime, have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, and we'll see you for another episode next week.